again. Well, again, let us open God's word tonight. The Acts of the Apostles and the 16th chapter. And with our Bibles open, let us pray and ask for, again, the help of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we marvel at thy grace. Lord, I marvel that I'm even standing tonight in this pulpit, handling the word of life. And we look back over the years and we remember, Lord, when we were spiritually ignorant, when we were in our sins, when we were lost, and hardly had a thought of God, certainly not a, a true thought of the true God. And Lord, yet we can sing tonight, what a wonderful, wonderful day. And Father, I ask thee now to help me and to help us as we gather around this portion of Scripture. Lord, open it to us. Teach us from out of thy word. Teach the unconverted to be how to be saved. And teach us believers how to live for the Lord and Serve the Lord. Continue with us, Lord. I pray for the help of the blessed Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, to fill me now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we were singing there, Heaven Came Down. And we could say that concerning the happenings that are recorded here in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, that heaven came down on Philippi that day. It pleased the Lord to visit. It pleased the Lord to speak to souls. And it pleased the Lord to set people free. And I want tonight to focus especially upon the Philippian jailer. It's such a familiar passage of the Word of God. But I trust, as we've said, the Lord will even reveal things old and new from his word tonight. The Apostle Paul has been imprisoned. Now in this city of Philippi, it was a city very, really proud of their Roman citizenship. You notice there they said in verse 21, concerning these men, Paul and Silas, They're Jews. They said this to the magistrates. They're Jews and they're troubling our city and they're teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Now looking into the history of Philippi, I was surprised I didn't know this, but Philippi, of course, it really means city of Philip. And it was a a city founded by the father of Alexander the Great. It was now a Roman uh, city, a colony in Macedonia. And as I said, they're very, very proud of that. And they hold that up as a reason to condemn Paul and Silas, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. 
But in the providence of God, something wonderful happened. First of all, this lady Lydia, who was a Jew, and it is probable that because they were meeting at the riverside, there was uh, Jews in the city, but so few that there wasn't enough to constitute a local synagogue. And so these women, they would meet here down by a riverside. It says that she worshipped God. She heard the apostle preach. And it says in verse 14, she attended on to the things which were spoken of Paul. She was saved. And we know that because verse 15, she was baptized and her household. She besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, Come into my house and abide there. And the Bible says, and she constrained us. So a a work was done in this lady's heart. Probably a wealthy lady. And probably, though we can't be sure, that it was in her home that the church of Philippi met as it began. Then we have the incident that this damsel, verse 16, who had a spirit of divination, a fortune teller, and but she was under, of course, the dominion of masters who made money out of her. And of course, uh, there's always people making money somewhere out of bad situations. The love of money is the root of much evil all evil and she's following Paul but you know she's saying something which was very true of course these men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation that was true but Paul was grieved he turned around to her after many days and she commanded the spirit to leave her and the Bible says in verse 18 that uh, he came out the same hour Now, the men who were making the money were not pleased. This girl was delivered. She no longer had this spirit of divination. She no longer was practicing this. And they realized, verse 19, that the hope of their gains was gone. And so, again, that's a powerful motive. You know, people have killed when they see that the hope of their gains is gone. People in our land have killed and been killed in some instances because others saw that their hope of their gains was gone. And so they catch Paul and Silas and they bring them on to the rulers. And so we have this appearance before the magistrates. And uh, verse 23, they laid many stripes upon them. They cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now, that's the first time we read about him. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's so incidental, really. And uh, who is this man? Know nothing about him. And it just says they charged the jailer to keep them safely. Verse 24, who having received such a charge 
thrust them into the inner prison. See, he realizes the Roman authorities are in charge here. I, I better do this. I better make sure everything's, everything's right here. And he doesn't want to be brought before the Roman authorities himself. So he, he puts Paul and Silas into the inner prison and he made their feet fast in the stocks. And so we have this, this event when heaven came down and the Lord done a work in this man's life and in the life, as we shall see, of his family. I want to speak first of all, and notice in this passage of God's word, the marvelous providence of God. You know, how are people saved? Well, the Lord can use many circumstances. But we see two things that clearly stand out in this passage. Number one, in the providence of God, God brought these preachers into this man's life. He brought these Christians into this man's life. And so often that is a, a, a way, a means by which God and his providence works in reaching our souls. I look back in my life and I remember leaving school and going to work in J.C. Browse there at the top of the, the Castlereagh Road in Belfast and meeting a man called George Magilton. And George, uh, a member of the Iron Hall Assembly, he was one of the reps in that business. And I remember George speaking to me about the Saviour and about the Lord. And so God brings people into our lives. Maybe there's others here in the meeting and you can think back to when someone uh, spoke to you about the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember in Browse a, a man who drove those big 40-foot containers and uh, he was from, he hailed from, I think, down Lurgan Way and they used to back those big containers into the loading bay and we would unload them or load them, whichever the case may be. Well, mostly unloading them and then we would load lorries with the orders. But I remember that man and as we were uh, taking all these boxes out of the, the, the big container, him witnessing to me, he was a believer. Now, this is a way back. I was 19, probably. Oh, sorry, probably 18, maybe. And I, I remember him speaking to me and asking me and talking to me about the Saviour. And I remember him driving out, taking that big 40-foot container in the, the cab out, and then he stopped, and he stopped for a long time. And I remember thinking, I wonder what, what's wrong. And I don't know, I, 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 don't, I never found this out, but I have a suspicion he was praying for me. He had sown the seed and he was praying that God would bless the seed. Oh, isn't it wonderful how the Lord can bring people into our lives who can share with us the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing to notice. Paul, uh, Paul and Silas, when God brought Paul and Silas into this man's life, they were faithful Christians. Now, I'll, I'll be the first to say it's not easy to share the gospel with people. Sometimes we have to overcome the fear of man. Sometimes we imagine 
all sorts of things. If I speak to this man, he'll kill me. Well, that doesn't happen too often. Uh, thank the Lord, not in our country anyway. And uh, if you do think about, well, what's the worst thing he could do if I speak to him? Well, if he kills me, he'll go to heaven. Well, we have to put that to a side and we have to trust in the Lord. And the Lord who saved us, surely the Lord can keep us. But are we faithful? No doubt in the providence of God, you have people that you can share the gospel. Maybe your next door neighbor. Maybe the person across the street. Maybe the man in the butcher shop or the lady in the supermarket. Whatever it might be. Members of our own family. May the Lord help us to overcome the fear of man and share the gospel with those who are in great need. So in the providence of God, God brought these men into uh, the life of the Philippian jailer. He's just the jailer. Verse 23, the jailer. And yet God is beginning to work in this man's, this man's life. The second thing that's interesting, verse 26, there was a great earthquake. Now that earthquake, of course, was designed and sent by God and in the providence of God to open up the prison doors. And I'm not saying tonight that we, every time we speak to somebody about the Lord, there's going to be an earthquake. But here's the thought tonight that what did God do in this man's life? He disturbed. He disturbed him, aye, to the very foundation of his life. You see, what took place physically took place spiritually. In, in the jailer's life that night. You know, people are, and we know this to be true, don't we, in our own land, people are very, very settled. And sometimes it's impossible really physically or uh, even humanly to shift them. You often hear about people who have a lot of baggage. And you think about people who maybe are up into their 40s, 50s, 60s, and they have a lot of baggage. And over all the years, they have many thoughts and they have opinions. I was out just a couple of weeks ago delivering leaflets for our Bible club in August. And I remember going up to a man. He was standing there at his door. And I said, would you take a leaflet? We're from uh, the church up round the corner there we're having the Bible club he says let me see it and I said no that's not for me he wasn't nasty no he wasn't nasty in, a, in that sense but he just he didn't want it didn't want it maybe an atheist maybe he didn't like the free church I don't know but he didn't want it and sometimes you see it takes the Lord to shake the foundation to give it a good rattle so that the, the things people are hoping in and trusting in and their opinions and their thoughts about uh, life and death and eternity are shaken to the core and they're open 
now to hear the gospel and hear the truth of the word of God. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were loosed. Have you ever been disturbed? Oh, maybe not by a physical earthquake, but by some happening in your life. You know, we we should pray, I think, as believers, if it's true, if it's true, that we're, and everybody seems to be saying it, that we're entering into a hard winter. I don't mean hard in the sense of snow and ice, although if that happens, that'll add to it, but cost of living crisis. And I'm being told, and I'm sure in some instances it's possibly true, that there'll be people and they'll have to decide whether to heat or whether to eat. And so we have now, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to have a new Prime Minister, and they're going to have to decide what help uh, to give out to those who especially are in need. Well, let us pray that God will disturb the lives of people. You know, all that's happening in our world, are these not the very strokes of the Lord? upon an ungodly age and an ungodly world where people have even legislated into law the very things that God is against and calls an abomination. But let us pray that nevertheless God will speak. Now look what happened. It says and it's when you're reading your Bible, it's good to notice every single word. It says at the end of verse 26, after the earthquake, it says, and immediately all the doors, all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were loosed. And I take that to be literal. We know there were prisoners as well as Paul and Silas because verse 25, at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. So we know there were more prisoners than just Paul and Silas. We don't know how many. But all the doors were open and all the bonds were loosed. Now I want to ask you a question. If you were one of those prisoners Apart from Paul and Silas, and you weren't a Christian, you were an ungodly person, you, you just weren't a Christian. If you found your prison doors opened and your bonds loosed, would you not go? Would you not flee? Would you not run like the billio and get out of that prison before the authorities caught you? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. You see, not only do we see the wonderful providence of God, but we see the mighty power of God. God is now entering into this situation, and heaven is coming down, and God, in his wonderful grace, he's going to do a work. And so he restrains these prisoners from fleeing. It may also be, and again I can't prove this from the scripture, but I know that they didn't flee. It may be, verse 25, that they heard Paul and Silas praying, and they heard them singing, 
and it had an effect upon them. You know, when I was converted and I joined Royal Mail 43 years ago, I remember a wee man who used to come down in the lorry from Belfast with the mail, and he had a nickname, and I, it's a good nickname to have. He was called Heavenly Sunshine. Do you know why? He was always singing. Heavenly sunshine, heavenly sunshine. And that stuck with people, and it was his nickname, Heavenly Sunshine. Good nickname to have. Now, we may not all be the best of singers, but even in our praying and in our singing, and it says, verse 25, the prisoners heard them, and then when the doors were open, all the doors and all the bands were loose, not one, not one fled. That's a miracle. As I said, if you were an ungodly man in that prison, you would hit the door. <laughs> get out into the street. Get away up some alley. And remember, all this is happening in the middle of the night. It's dark. What an opportunity to go. They didn't go. You know what we read there in verse number twenty. Seven, the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. What, what domination of Roman authority was in that man's mind and heart? He would rather kill himself than face the consequences of all the prisoners being fled who were in and under his charge. Oh, the, the power even of evil and the power of the things of this world and people's lives. But, verse 28, Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm. We are all here. Isn't that a marvel? We're all here. That fellow in the, the cell beside me, that crater up the, up the alleyway, they're all here. Every one of them, not one has fled, not one has run, not one has gone out into the darkness. We're all here. This is a miracle of God. Oh, the power, the mighty power of God and of God's salvation. And it says there in verse number uh, 29, he called for a light and sprang in. He called for a light, emphasizing again the darkness, emphasizing again the opportunity was there for these prisoners to, to, to go. And he came trembling. And listen, he fell down before Paul and Silas. He focused in on the Christians. He focused in on the preachers. He focused in on those two men. And of course the famous, very famous words, verse 30, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wonderful, marvelous. You know, in a, in a night, in a night, this man's life was turned upside down for the good. This man's life was changed Eternally so. 
I doubt. I don't know what happened to him afterwards where he stayed in this job, whether he remained in Philippi. I don't know how old he was or how long he lived, but I'll guarantee you he never forgot that night. Never forgot it. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. What a wonderful blessing. What a wonderful blessing. And in the providence of God, and by the power of God, he's brought to that moment. You know, brothers and sisters, we, we can pray should we not pray that God will bring people to a moment like that in Cross Gar and Newton Ards and everywhere else? God will speak. God will enter in. God will shake people's foundations. That God will bring uh, Christians into the lives of people, faithful Christians. That God will work. God will do a work sovereignly and mightily. Oh, the value of even one soul. So he's heard the message, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And he believed. He was saved. Now, how do we know that? How do we know if anybody's saved? After all, this man, I'm sure he had this job because he, he wasn't, you know, a man easily fooled. I think he was probably a hard man, perhaps a military man. Uh, I can't. I can visualise him perhaps as a big brute of a man, a man who would knock you out if you caused any trouble. And look, he's down before Paul and Silas. He believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and he's saved. But how do we know that? Well, let's consider this. Verse 32. He's heard the message, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and will believe he heard that message. And in verse 32 it says, they speak unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house. There's a great sign that somebody's genuinely saved. They receive the word of God. They received the word of God. They want to know more of Christ. They want to know more of, the, of the, the, the teaching of the word of God. And so Paul and Silas, now remember, these men have been beaten. These men have had their feet fast in the stocks, but they're willing to speak to him. They're more concerned about eternity than the bleeding back that they have or the their ankles sore having been in the stocks. They, they recognize this as a, a golden opportunity. And they speak to this man uh, the things concerning. You see, he wants to hear more of the word of God. And I thank the Lord tonight. If I could share a personal word of testimony. I thank the Lord tonight. I can say that when I got saved, I wanted to know more and more about the word of God. My next door neighbor, there was a member of their family, I grew up beside them, 
And there was a member of their family who was responsible for the tape ministry in Lurgan Baptist Church in the days of Pastor Willie Mullen. At that time, he had the biggest Bible class, they say, in the United Kingdom. And they used to send up some of the tapes. And I would go in next door some evenings and uh, to, to the, the Stephen. He was called Stephen too. And we would sit around the kitchen table and we would listen to Pastor Willie Mullen teach the Bible. And oh, I learned so much. I learned so much. So there's a great, a, a great um, test that immediately he believes, verse 32, they speak unto him the word of the Lord. Oh, it's great to hear the message, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that's sufficient to save the soul. But then there's a going on, and there's a more revealing of that blessed Savior and that wonderful salvation of God. And so you can see this man, he, he wants to hear more of the word of God. He's an old jailer. Maybe an ungodly man. Romans, of course, they had their gods and their idols. We don't know if he was into that, but it was all cast aside. Tell me more. More about Jesus would I know. Tell me more. But then secondly, you know, we know he was saved because look what has been wrought in his life. You know, there's a practical side to this because look what it says in verse 33. He took them the same hour of the night, now the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes. Now I don't know if he was involved in giving them those stripes in the first place. But he's not wounding them anymore. He's healing them. He's bringing healing. His heart is now full of love, Christian love for his brethren. Love for the saints. Is that not a great, a great sign too of a genuine work of grace? The same are. You know, you'd have to say, he forgot about time. This is the middle of the night. He's been awakened out of his sleep. Suddenly, you know what that's like. But time, he's forgot about time. Eternity now matters. God matters. He's a Christian. He's saved. He's been changed. And he washes their stripes. And then look at verse 33. He was baptized. He was baptized. In the early church, people were baptized immediately on profession of their faith. And you know, having washed their stripes, he wanted the washing of baptism. He wanted to have that sign wrought in his own life, a sign and a seal of what had been done when he was baptized by the Spirit into Christ. He wanted to be baptized. He wanted to go through with God and go on with God. And then we see... Another sign. If you look at verse 34. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. 
and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. He kept on believing. And here's the thing he was rejoicing. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. The joy of God in his heart. And the joy of God, look, in his home. What a wonderful change in his life had been wrought since Jesus came in to his heart. We see the providence of God and the power of the gospel and the perseverance of God. He's now a Christian and God will keep him. You know, I don't know, as I say, what happened to him. But some time later, Paul wrote, Can I ask you as we close to turn to the book of Philippians? Chapter 1. And Paul is writing to this church. It's now a church, perhaps, meeting in the home of Lydia. We don't know that, of course. But obviously she had wealth. She probably had the wherewithal and the space maybe to house a church. But if you look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Was he there among them? Was Lydia still there? Maybe the wee damsel and certainly others. But he says he thanks God Upon every remembrance of you. Look at verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The first day. Maybe they were there. Maybe he's even thinking upon them. From that very first day. Those happenings in the city of Philip and Philippi. Your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, we believe Philip, the letter to the Philippians was written when Paul was in prison in Rome. If you look at verse 13 of that chapter, it says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And this is the the book he speaks about saints in Caesar's household. He's in Rome. He's, he's, he's in prison again. And he's thinking back and writing to the believers at Philippi. And was the old jailer still there? Paul talks about our fellowship in the gospel from the first day. That very night when heaven came down. And God saved this man's life. God saved this man's soul. And God changed him. You know, he went to bed that night a hell-deserving sinner. And he entered the new day when the sun rose, a heaven-bound saint. May God save souls in our day. And God do this again and again and again. For the glory of his name. May God bless his word to our hearts tonight. Can we join in singing a couple of verses of 364 again? A hymn I thought, well, 
that man could sing this. Peace like a river is flooding my soul. Verse 2, joy is abounding. My heart gaily sings. Cleave by the heavens, mount up as wings. Let's stand and we'll sing verses 2 and 3 as we close. Verses 2 and 3. that the preciousness of the Lord Jesus will be our portion tonight. But Lord, the preciousness of Christ will be a reality in the lives of many who are lost and undone tonight. That thou will bring them to Christ. We pray, Lord, that even someone who has attended a gospel meeting or listened in online will have a troubled night tonight. And in the wee dark hours of the morning, they will seek the Lord. They will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. But Lord, speak to souls even yet now. Grant to us, Lord, thy blessing. As we part, take us, Lord, to our homes in safekeeping. And again, may thy grace, love and mercy, and the fellowship of the blessed Spirit of God, and Lord, Thy comfort and thy care and thy perseverance be our portion tonight, every night and every day, till the Lord comes or calls. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen.